Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, I sit down with actor, former college football player, and star of the hit show The Game, Vaughn Hebron, as he gives us a preview on season two, discusses his transition from football to acting, and answers an important question regarding his character's quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Week 14 victory over the Broncos? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's some interesting discourse coming out of the game, um, specifically about the Chiefs' lack of, of running the ball when they were up 27 to nothing before, or which was, you know, before things went to complete shit. Um, I, on one hand, running the ball and trusting the running game, that probably means that the Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw as many interceptions and, and that the game isn't that close. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco was averaging 5.4 yards per carry on the game after all. And, I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, what's going on uh, situationally. I mean, obviously, I think the defense probably expects you to run in those situations somewhat. But um, I, I think there's, you know, there's legitimate concern, hey, you could have run the ball more in that situation. On the other hand, I've heard nothing but frustration this season from fans um, when it comes to the Chiefs taking their foot off the gas and playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Uh, and I've heard that for a couple of years now, really, if we're being honest. And uh, I think you saw, you know, in week 14... Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they said, okay, let's go bury these guys and end this game. Like, let's, you know, if they go out and score another touchdown before halftime, you're thinking about putting Chad Henney and and Ronald Jones in the game and letting them finish it out, right? Like, um, unfortunately, in in having that mindset, you know, they let the Broncos back into the game with the turnovers. Now, I, I think what you learn from this is that there's a bit more balance that they can find, right? A balance where Reed, Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, they're trusting the running game a bit more in this specific situation. Running the ball is not surrendering, right? But it keeps the defense off balance, keeps the clock moving, protects your quarterback a bit in that specific situation. So I, I think that's kind of the lesson you learn there. I don't think you just you know, go back and say, run, you should have run the ball. You should have run the ball. I think that it's, it's more about when they put on the tape this week and they evaluate and they look at what happened, you know, when they were up 27 and what led to kind of that downfall, I, I think they're going to be like, okay, maybe we could have run the ball here in this specific spot at this, and this specific look that the defense was giving us, you know, we, we maybe we could have run the ball there and given ourselves a better chance to not have those turnovers, to still keep the offense moving in a positive way, um, but also not feeling like, hey, we're taking our foot off the gas, right? Because I, I don't think running the ball necessarily means that you're taking your foot off the gas. I think, you know, it's just it's just there are smart times to do it, and there, there are other times where, you know, it, it is, you know, uh, somewhat of a surrender. Do you believe the Chiefs' secondary has regressed over the last few weeks? You know, I don't know if if regressed is the right term. I do think they've been challenged a bit more these last few weeks just with their matchups. 
obviously the Bengals game, that was their, their first really big test, and, and they didn't do a great job in that. But I think it was a good learning experience for them uh, for a rather young cornerback group and secondary. Um, then, you know, last week they had a tough matchup with Jerry Judy uh, against the Broncos week 14. I mean, he is the best receiver in football against man coverage this season. Uh, I think he's averaging, I think it was over five yards per route run um, against man coverage. So, I mean, he's really good at, at defeating man coverage. And, of course, the Chiefs play a ton of man coverage. So uh, not making that adjustment when you're playing against him to play a little bit more zone or a bracket him, which, you know, honestly, they probably should have done more. Um you know, that was always going to be a challenge. And I think we're just, we're really just seeing that the margin for error is a lot smaller against some of these better personnel matchups. And uh, I personally think that, you know, not getting enough pressure against the Bengals was probably the biggest difference there um, compared to the play of the secondary. I think that they probably did about as good of a job as they could with a defense that was just not getting to Joe Burrow at all or, when they did get to him, he was able to slip away. Um, I, I also think that, you know, Steve Spagnuolo can do a bit more to play the strengths of, uh, you know, some of the cornerbacks, the safety group, really the safety group. I mean, that might be the weak link on this defense right now, and I think it's just because, you know, they do a lot of, like, versatile stuff and switching and, you know, roll roll different players down into coverage and have different guys dropping, and I think that, you know, if you had more defined roles for, I think, Juan Thornhill and, and Justin Reed and maybe played them, it, you know, stubbornly and specifically in those spots, um, it might put the defense in a better situation. It just doesn't give them as much flexibility, you know, to be able to try and confuse people with, uh, you know, with the looks they're presenting pre-snap and whatnot. But, you know, that necessarily doesn't seem to be something that's... Um, it doesn't seem to be something that's that's really helping them anyways right now. So I, I feel like maybe you can afford to do a little bit of that. Should the Chiefs be concerned with Patrick Mahomes constantly forcing passes into tight coverage, causing turnovers? Uh, this is a good question, Ed, and I you know I think the answer is is no. <laughs> um, like he has the arm and the ability to make some of those tight window throws, and I don't necessarily think that the turnovers in Week 14 were were necessarily caused by passing into tight coverage um, or thinking that he could kind of thread the needle or, or something like that. I mean, one, we, we at least know the play by Patrick Sertain was just a great play, you know, diving to catch a pass that Mahomes was just trying to burn and throw at a wide receiver's feet. That was just an incredible play by a very talented young player. Um, I, I do think that, you know, some of the other ones, um, maybe, you know, there was a little bit of thinking you could get the ball in there, but... I, I just really think, you know, um, he, you know, it, one thing that's really going to help with tight coverage, all right, um, getting Miko Hardman and Katerius Tony back, all right, um, right now the, the speed on the field isn't quite as prevalent. I mean, you do have some fast guys. MVS is a guy who can stretch the field vertically. Um, Justin Watson also has, you know, more speed than he'll get credit for. They just don't have the same, um, you know, they, they have the, the guys who can get north-south speed, but they don't have the same, like, east-west types of speed guys where they make teams, you know, they literally force teams to cover every blade of grass, all right? Um, 
and, and they're not forced to do that in that same way when when you know Hardman and Tony are, are not on the field. So I, I think you get them back on there. Um, it's going to open up different parts of the offense and, and open things up for other players too, because teams are now going to have to account for that speed. They're going to have to account for you know these guys coming over on on pre-snap motion and maybe getting the football right. Um, and there just hasn't been as much of that with those two players not on the field for Kansas City. So when you have to account for that game-breaking speed, um, not just not just north-south, but the east-west stuff too, uh, that really opens up things for the offense, gives uh, you know Patrick Mahomes some more opportunities to be able to find open receivers. Um, and it just causes the defense to pause a little bit more, right? Um, so that, that's going to be a big advantage moving forward. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Patrick Mahomes, he's going to learn, uh, in games where he hasn't thrown, where he's thrown three interceptions, the following games, he's been near perfect. So, um, I, I think he's gonna, you know, look at that and he knows that, that he knows that he's lucky to have a two, one overall record in games where he throws three interceptions, right? Like, he's not going to um, be out there trying to repeat that type of performance. He's going to be working to correct those uh, those interceptions heading into Week 15. In your opinion, how far on the all-time tight ends receiving list will Travis Kelsey eventually finish? Well, he's obviously he's, he's going to have to play until he's like Tom Brady's age if he wants to catch Tony Gonzalez on the passing yards leaderboard. Um, and, you know, hey, look – Gonzalez started when he was a 21-year-old kid. I don't what, – what was uh, Kelsey his rookie season, like 20, 24? Or I think he was like 23 his rookie season. Then he got hurt, comes back. He's like 24 years old, right? So um, I, it's – you know, he if, if he had started when Tony had started, maybe it's different, right? But, you know, um, look, he's already number one in my book, obviously, right? I don't necessarily think that just because he's not going to catch up to Tony Gonzalez on the, the passing yards leaderboards doesn't mean he can't go down as the best ever at the position, right? You've got the consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons, which no tight end in NFL history has ever come close to doing before. Um, the postseason success is great. Obviously, you know, add another Super Bowl ring to that, and you're putting them up there. I mean, I think, what, Shannon Sharp probably leads the tight ends with three Super Bowl wins. So, hey, if he can get a couple more in there, <laughs> then you got a, a big conversation going on. And, you know, I mean, he's changed the bar in terms of both consistency and, and just what it means to be a tight end in the National Football League. And, you know, there's only a few guys, you know, probably who are all up there with him on the tight ends receiving list that – can say that right um but but i think kelsey i mean he has truly changed the game and i mean you look even what he's doing you know with with some of these guys with greg olson and george kittle with tight end university he is pushing to change the way the position is played and, and really develop these guys for the future um and, and i think you know there's there's you, you just can't say enough about him just a great great player great great guy and uh you know, Chiefs fans have to remember how lucky they are to have this guy on the team. Uh, I mean, just an all-timer. Absolute all-timer. Now time for the Chiefs Wire mailbag. Ask Chiefs Wire. Justin Udema asks, The Texans almost beat the Cowboys in Week 14. How can the Chiefs learn from Dallas's mistakes? 
Huh. I, I mean, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I I think that the Cowboys were kind of caught off guard by the uh, two-headed approach that they have at the quarterback position now there in uh, Houston. And uh, Justin Reed kind of said it best. He said that uh, Davis Mills is a pocket passer and Jeff Driscoll was kind of used the way that the Saints used Taysom Hill when he lines up the quarterback position. So uh, I think the one thing that will help the Chiefs this week is that, you know, Damian Pierce, it, it looks like he's not going to be playing. Um, he has an ankle, high ankle sprain. I mean, he's the best offensive player on that football team, in my humble opinion. And uh, he really could have given this defense some fits uh, as a running back. Um, you know, this week they're going to have to be wary of, of his backup, of, of Rex Burkhead, and him specifically in the passing game. You know, we saw the Bengals abuse the middle of the field a few weeks ago, and I think the Texans could kind of lean on a similar approach on offense to try and gain an advantage against Kansas City. Defensively, I mean, this looks like a group that you can force some mistakes against. They don't have a lot of consistency in their offensive skill positions in terms of, you know, people who have been out there week in, week out. So I think, you know... um, when you're talking about the two-quarterback approach, when you're talking about, you know, some different running backs in there, some different receivers in there, there are going to be opportunities for the Chiefs' defense to force turnovers. And that's something they haven't been good at this season. It's something they need to continue to improve on as they head to the postseason. You know, take care of the football, but also get rid of <laughs> – get the football from the defense, uh, from the opposing offense. Ask Chiefs Wire, Bennett Pompano asks, <clears throat> who do you think will have a bigger impact upon return, Kadarius Toney or Mecole Hardman? This is a absolute no-win question for me because my answer is both. <laughs> but I guess if we're talking like immediate impact, it's got to be Mecole Hardman. Obviously, he's got seniority on Tony over there, but um, I think that, that Hardman will have that impact. It, it'll be felt in the red zone. Um, they've kind of struggled without him on the field in the red zone. And he's been really productive there this season. I mean, five of his six touchdowns this season coming in that area of the field. So having him back opens a lot more of the playbook uh, when when Kansas City's in the red zone and when they're trying to punch it in for six and not settle for a field goal. So I think that, that having Tony on the field, I mean, you get me Cole Hardman back, you, you get that advantage in the red zone. But I think having Tony on the field... That just gives you another playmaker, right? This is a guy who can get open and make plays in man coverage. Um, we've seen that he's really good with the ball in his hands, and can, that can kind of open up some different things too. I mean, we haven't really seen the Chiefs use the wide receiver screen game too much this season. Um, so I wonder if that part of the playbook might be something that they work on and can kind of open up um, in some sort of short yardage situations in the future there. Um, you know, get certain looks, find find a way to get him the ball in space and, and let him do his thing. Uh, but I, I think I think really the answer is both, that both will have a different impact, but, but that impact will be felt. It could be felt as soon as this week, too. I mean, it sounds like, like both these guys are going to have a chance to play. I, I think Tony probably has the, the greater chance, but, I mean, Mecole's been working real hard at getting back. He, he's been ready to practice, you know, probably could have practiced two weeks ago if we're being honest so it's really just about you know what Andy Reid said today he has to be able to keep on the the good weight that he gained back from you know his issue with his abdomen and um you know if he can keep that on this week I think there's a chance that they activate him for Sunday 
And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so uh, a ton of great stuff on the website this week. Uh, kudos to our team. We just have just, I mean, everything all around from from tributes to the late Mike Mike Leach. Um, Post game analysis from week fourteen. Ed had a great interview with actor Vaughn W. Ebron of uh, the game on Paramount Plus. That is a really uh, really fun listen and watch. Um, Wes, his special teams review this week was was fantastic. Just dives into the Chiefs' improving punt returner situation. Yes, that's right, improving. It's getting better, folks. And, uh, you know, lots of info on some players returning from injury. Obviously, uh, Kadarius Toney, Michael Hardman. Um, as always, we, we appreciate you guys so much uh, reading the website, listening to the show. We couldn't do any of this without your support. And uh, you know what we say now. Go Chiefs! Last season of the game ended with yeah. a cliffhanger. Uh, a lot of things, you know, going on in regards to the protest. Now, I know you don't want to give too much away, but uh, what right. can people expect going into season two of the game? Um, what people can expect with season two is uh, so we're picking up right after season one left. Um, but I think there is going to be uh, there's going to be some information that people need about the characters' personal lives from their past. So before we move forward in the season, we're going to get like a, a nice little flashback into each of the characters' past, how they ended up in the situation that they're currently in, um, and the type of decisions that they've made that have um, put them in their current predicament and how it will also affect their future. And that's obviously a big deal with your character, Jameson Fields, with everything yeah. going on. It's, it's so many stories. And, I, and we all remember the X showing up. So I don't want to spoil yeah. people watching uh, or Paramount Plus, but uh, some good stuff. Yes, but, sir. Uh, yeah, the, um, the X shows up, man. And, you know, uh, just like any athlete will tell you, when the X shows up, as soon as you start getting some success, then <laughs> that's when you got to start uh, looking after yourself a little bit more. So that's definitely going to be some drama with that. And your character Jameson and dealing with Brittany Piss is gonna be a it's gonna be a, a fun uh, situation for you. So yeah. we're looking forward to getting to, into that. But uh, just uh, with you, obviously, uh, you have a background as a uh, as a running back, Division One football. Uh, just uh, can you go into that? Just that transition from being an athlete to now being a successful actor. Um. Yeah, man. You know, I, I honestly, uh, I think that acting. I compare acting and the set so much to my um, football and sports experience. Um, and the way I do that is because, you know, you train constantly. You're constantly training, constantly working fundamentals. Honestly, I work more fundamentals with acting than I do, like, actual scenes and stuff. You know, I'm just working on my fundamentals, just like I did when I was playing running back. Um, and then, you know, you have, you have your team, like, on set. You have the set. You have the crew. You have your coach. You have a director, you got the coach's boss, you got the politics of that. So it's very similar. I think for me, the biggest um, reminder is like when I was a running back and I had the rock in my hands, you know, like, yes, I have my team, but the spotlight is on me. You know, once once they give me that ball, it's up to me now to figure out how to, you know, get it down the field and score a touchdown. Um, and, you know, somebody might miss a block and I got to react to that. 
you know, a, a linebacker might blitz, and then I got to react to that, or I got to pick up a, a pass block. So I really compare that to acting, where you know you go in with a game plan, you go in there with uh, what you want to do, and when they say action, you really don't know what's going to happen. You just kind of depend on your fundamentals, you depend on your coaching, and um, you make adjustments on the fly, man. So it's very, it's a very similar feeling for me. That's good stuff, man. And, you know, it's, it's always good to see uh, athletes make that transition and uh, doing something. Obviously, you're, you're killing it right now in the game. So, you know, I just Thank have, you, to, sir. You have to um, acknowledge that. But I also got to acknowledge the fact that uh, your father played in mm -hmm. the NFL. And um, was it anything that, you know, he went through with his career? Obviously, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion. I, I got to shout that out. It's a big deal. Was yes, it sir. Did he play a big part in your uh, aspirations and dreams in, in working, like doing football? Yeah, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know any, <laughs> I don't know how you can be a son of a football player, an NFL football player who's won the Super Bowl twice and not grow up thinking like you're going to be in the league and you're going to be an athlete um, to that caliber, you know? So definitely when I was younger, Pop Warner, um, you know, JV, varsity, all that, even, even through college, I had NFL aspirations, you know, I wanted to be just like my dad. So he played a huge part in inspiring me and, um, and molding like the type of dreams that I had when it came to when it came to football. You know, obviously when you get to college, you start being a little more realistic and figuring out, okay, do I really want to do this? Is this really something possible for me? And obviously my path took a different turn. But um, yeah, throughout my childhood and throughout high school, I definitely had a lot of inspiration from my father. Okay, now I have to ask, uh, you know, obviously I do uh, USA Today, the Chiefs Wire. Yeah. The the rivalry between the Broncos and Chiefs is pretty well noted. Obviously, AFC West. Right. Do you remember anything maybe like your dad talked about just playing at Arrowhead Stadium? Because we always hear about how loud it is and the atmosphere there. Has he ever told you told you any stories about just those experiences? Yeah, you know what, man? He didn't specify the Chiefs, but he has stories for days. And he would always say, like, when it came to them, it was just a hard game. It was just a hard game. Like, they um, – it was one of those, like, gridiron games for them. You know, like, it's like, you know it's going to come down to the wire. You know that uh, 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 that y'all – it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight. So that's really the things that he used to tell me about the Chiefs when it came to playing them. Like, it was just going to be a dogfight. It's going to come down to the wire. No matter how much we plan, it's going to – something's going to have – you know, we're going to have to adjust for them because they always got weapons. They were a sound team. He was playing in 97, 98. They were, like, uh, fundamentally sound. They were very coached very well. And then so were the Broncos, obviously, you know. So it was really just, like, who wants it more? It's going to be a dogfight. So that's what I specifically remember him talking about with that, with um, big experience with them. Definitely. And obviously you came away with the two Super Bowl rings, played a big role on those teams. Now, for you, you grew up in Baltimore. Yeah. So I, I keep hearing that you're a Ravens fan, so yeah. you gotta give, you gotta give me some some feedback with that, man. You're a Ravens fan. You've seen the recent robbery. You see Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, all the talk yep. about too. What is your thoughts watching it as a fan? Honestly, man, I think you know when I was growing up, our biggest our biggest rival was the Steelers. When I was growing up, you know what I mean. But now, like obviously with the AFC, I think really the quarterbacks is what causes the a lot of fire for the rivalry you know Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes it's like they they both 
they're not similar styles, but like they they are huge weapons, and you know, and they make the offense um, way more versatile in what they can do. So I think it's a rivalry because you really kind of seeing like the same the same type of performances, the same type of weapons on both sides of the ball, and you're really watching it like who's gonna do what, um, who's gonna stand out because it can go either way, and I think it's more fun. I think it's because um, I think it's I think it's a a funner rivalry to get behind because a lot of the, you know, they're, they're both young quarterbacks too. So it has a different fan base. And I think it's something like to reignite the rivalry for the AFC. Oh, you definitely have revolutionized the quarterback position and exactly they want to see for years to come. So exactly. Honestly, like you haven't, I haven't seen um, as dynamic, dynamic quarterbacks like this. Um, also with Dak Preston from Cowboys since like Vic, you know what I mean? Like they rarely remind me of Michael Vic, man, watching him back in the day. So I think that's the real funny part about it. It's the evolution of the position. And that's just yeah. the NFL is looking at right now. But yeah. uh, speaking about quarterback, so I have a fun question for you right now. This is, this may be a little tough. It might be, you know, with your co-stars and, and then you also got to think about the football part of it, but I need you to be Jameson Fields for a moment. Okay. Okay. I'm Jameson right now. What's up? Into fields, all right. If you have uh -huh. a choice, he's a check down. You know, you got a quarterback's going to throw a check down to you. Who would you prefer, Malik Wright or Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm definitely pick picking Patrick, man. I'm definitely picking Patrick because Malik Wright. First of all, uh, I will say this: Malik is a great actor. <laughs> Malik is a great actor. So, yeah, him actually throwing a football to me on the actual football field, I need somebody that I know is going to get it there and not get me killed or not get a turnover. So I, I'm going with Patrick on that one. <laughs> Malik, might he might throw that ball into the stands, bro. I don't know where that ball is going. <laughs> that is probably the best political correct answer you could give. He's a great actor, and then you He's got the quarterback. So I thought that He's was a great actor. Good. Yeah, he he might mess around and spike that thing. So I'm a, I'm gonna go with Patrick. <laughs> well, we're definitely looking forward to uh, the new season of the game. Um, Vaughn, thank you so much for taking some time, man. Really appreciate. Thank you, man. It. Thank you. 
And we lost a bunch of weight, and so it was a matter of kind of getting that back, but not, you know, with cheeseburgers, right? So, so, um, but get back some good, good, uh, hearty weight and strength. And um, so he's been working on that. He's been working like crazy on that. Um, and he's going to continue to do that here. He'll do that this week when he's out practicing and doing that. Okay, can can we hold the weight and add a little bit to it? So. Coach, you mentioned that. Throw the records out when you're facing a team that's, that's struggling with losses. They've obviously battled hard. They almost won last week. This is a coach that you've seen in the past, right? What, what does a, a Levy Smith team look like traditionally? And has this team got some of those characteristics? Uh, no, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm friends with Levy. I, mean, I think he's a heck of a guy <clears throat> and a great coach. Um, so, I, uh, you know, he, he came from that Tampa 2 group of coaches that did that, and he's evolved. Uh, with with that and with the way the game is now. So um, he's going to give you a great defense that plays hard and aggressive. Um, an offense that's tough. I mean, just the fact that they used two quarterbacks and platooned them, it wasn't because one wasn't doing well, but they platooned him in. And uh, he's not afraid to do whatever he has to do to win the game. And, um, and so that's where the challenge comes in. And his guys play hard for him, so you you've got to you have to be prepared and ready ready to go. And in this league, the margin between winning and losing is like that. It's just it's crazy, greater than it's ever been right now. So. I'd like to once again thank my guest Vaughn Hebron for coming on the show and talk about the new season of the game streaming now on Paramount Plus and to remind everyone to please follow us on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.